Hello and welcome to the Avocado Proust podcast, a weekly podcast about tech, culture, health and everything in between. We'll share things that caught our eye this week and then go a bit deeper on our topic of the week. I'm actually sat at a desk this week in my parents' home, having a very delightful, very blissful time. So we've just had a bit of a nightmare with the audio. Please forgive the quality this week. We'll be back to uh, regular scheduled programming by the next episode. This is breaking my heart. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm sure it will be fine, but <laughs> it has taken us over an hour Probably to not. try 40 and minutes. figure out. Has it been an hour? <laughs> it's taken an hour to try and figure out the audio. <laughs> Turns out sometimes you need to just go old school and do away with the fancy kit and just get some headphones in place. Yeah, like old school wired. Fancy headphones. <laughs> My original iPhone headphones with the wire from like, you know, six years ago. Yes. Working well, a dream. Like my dad saved the day with an old pair of headphones. So that's what you can hear me on this week. But hopefully our topic will still be super interesting and it will still bring some value. What's our topic of the week this week? Jeez. It's work-life balance and other philosophical questions, particularly in reference to a television show called Severance that Looms recommended me. And another friend recommended me as well. And yes, it's a great show and creates lots of deep thoughts. I have to say it is in my top three of all time. So I'm very excited to to be able to, to talk about it this week. But before we go into our philosophical maze of awesomeness, <laughs> highlights. Let's talk about some highlights this week. Awesome. Get straight into it. Do you want me to go first? Okay. Yeah, go for it. You probably would have seen in the news this week about Tim Westwood and everything that he's been up to. Turns out he's been a bit of a uh, bit of a sex pest over the so, last few decades. I'm going to ask a question that I'm sure if you other people probably know the if answer. If you ask me who Tim Westwood is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just in case anyone else doesn't know either. For other people, not so much for you, but for other people, of course. Tim Westwood is a very well-known hip-hop rap DJ who has been on the scene for quite some time. And if you Google him, you'll probably recognize his face. Right, I'm Googling as we speak. Yes. Do you recognize his face? Okay. Yeah, and I'm also now seeing the headlines because I hadn't actually heard this story. He's been accused of sexual misconduct by multiple women. It's been revealed that actually he's been having something that the press has been calling, quote, unexpected sex with women. I don't know why they won't just use... unexpected? Thank you. They somehow found a way to rebrand sexual harassment and non-consensual sex yes (laughs) they've rebranded rebranded it somehow because i don't know i don't know why they felt the need to rebrand it i don't understand yeah like why can't they just use the actual term that exists for that yeah but if you're unfamiliar with tim westwood 
in, in the circles, if you hang out in circles where, or if you go to uh, hip hop nights, R&B nights, things like that, or you're even interested in that, in that genre of music, you'll be, and you're in the UK, you'll be familiar with, with Tim Westwood. And it feels like he's been around forever. And one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite newsletters, Pop Bitch, which I've spoken about before, did a little section on him today. Well, not today, sorry, last week, where which they called A Brief History of Tim. And we've always sort of wondered how old he is because he's not really been that open about his age. He's just been around for longer than most of us can remember. And Pop Bitch newsletter did a little, little pop quiz called <laughs> where they, and the question being, is Tim Westwood older or younger than? <laughs> <laughs> Should we, should we play let's play all right now you've seen his face obviously don't look at yeah, wiki yeah. or anything like that but you've seen his no, face of the list that i read out i want you to tell me which one you think he is let's say younger than um okay <laughs> chobata bread <laughs> nasa post-it notes bbc2 the victoria line the 50 starred American flag. So not, not this modern day. Oh, is it the modern day one? I don't know how many stars are on the American flag, but I the one with 50 current, stars. I think it's 50 is the current okay. one. Barbie dolls and the 50p coin. Play along at home, guys. It's super fun. My guess okay. would be, because I feel like NASA is like, was created in the 60s or something. Yeah. Like it's, it's not super yeah. old. So I think he could be older than NASA. Okay, so I'll give you the answers. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Westwood is older than Milton Keynes. No. The M1, Chibata Bread, NASA. NASA. I was right on that. You were. Post-it notes, BBC Two. Interesting. The Victoria what? Line, the 50-starred American flag, <laughs> Barbie dolls, and the 50p coin. Justice will hopefully be served for all the women who have come out and have reported him for surprising women with sex, apparently. Well, that's bad vibes. The face you're looking at. Massive creep. It's a, just as creepy as he looks. And he, I was going to say, he looks creepy, so and, it tracks. Yes, and everything that we listed before are all things that did not exist when he was born. Wow. So wait, have we, how old is he? <laughs> Did we ever answer the question of how old he is? Now, does the answer to that really matter? Or is it more important to just know that Barbie that. didn't exist? <laughs> 50p coins weren't a thing when he was born. Let's put it that way. I was mad about 50p coins. It's I wild. I also didn't know how, technically, how young all of these things were. Yeah, the Victoria line, I thought, would have been around forever. I thought that was around in the 20s. Gosh, yeah, is he born in the twenties? Well, I mean, we're all going to be, <laughs> we're all going to be old one day, and it's not his age that makes him a creep. It's the fact that he is, um, has been, has apparently, you know, allegedly, assaulted. allegedly, allegedly, we must say, allegedly, been yes. assaulting women for a very long time. Any highlights from you, Jeeves? <laughs> yes. Well, another one related to women. That was a, you know questionable segue terrible segue um just going with it it's late here um so boots 
which is obviously the pharmacy chain. Don't know why I'm explaining that, just in case we have any listeners who aren't based in the UK. Who do you uh, think is listening to this <laughs> podcast that doesn't understand these modern day references of pretty popular brands? <laughs> I don't know. But it's very considerate. It's very considerate of you to explain what Boots is to the listener. So Boots said that they're renaming their feminine hygiene aisles and they're going to start calling them period products, which obviously makes way more sense. Like no one has ever colloquially said feminine hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's such a strange and natural term. And I guess it's always been that way because periods have been kind of taboo and people didn't want to talk about them. And, you know, that that manifests in things you see every day, like how it's called in the supermarket. So I thought that was a really cool change, actually, that they're, they're going to call it what it is. I agree that that is a, a probably a long overdue change. It never really occurred to me how inaccurate feminine hygiene was as a term, because it's not a hygiene issue that women get periods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's sort of implying that periods are dirty yeah right? they're dirty like and something that need to be dealt with as opposed to like a natural process yeah so I think it it has all these connotations and we wouldn't have even really thought about that until now really does it say what triggered that change I don't think it does actually I think there might have just been like a lot of people or like I don't know who exactly but maybe maybe there's been some criticism around that but actually that's not a criticism I had heard like it makes total sense obviously but I hadn't really seen that reported anywhere else but obviously that's something that's come on their radar in, enough to make that change well I'm here for it I appreciate not being considered <laughs> dirty I guess yeah like unhygienic <laughs> for having a period yeah I think some cultures I some cultures still subscribe to that but it's great that at least this culture is trying to um trying to counteract that to some extent yeah, definitely good to move away from it. But yeah, any uh, any other things that have well on the topic come across your radar <laughs> on the topic of uh, medical devices? Okay, I wasn't sure which way that was going to go. Periods. If I'm honest with pharmacies. you, I'm still not, I'm, I I I started down that road. I'm still not sure where we're going to end up, but let's get into it. Uh, Specsavers had probably my favorite take on the whole Elon Musk Twitter purchase and the take was so Specsavers tweeted Elon Musk could have bought 65 billion 217 million 391,304 pairs of 69 pound glasses and got another <laughs> 65 billion 217 million 391,304 pairs free so which, many glasses. So a lot of glasses. He, he could have bought Twitter <laughs> or he could have bought 65 billion <laughs> pairs of He's glasses. He's a madman. Why would he turn that down? Uh, for listeners not in the UK who are unfamiliar with Specsavers. <laughs> <laughs> with Specsavers uh, two-for-one. They've, they've had a two-for-one deal for, you know, 512 years. And you buy a pair of glasses for 69 pounds, you get another pair free, which is why that take. It's so comical. The more I explain why it's comical, the more funny it becomes, obviously, which is the, the law of comedy. Yep. That's how all jokes work, really. That is. We did a course once, and so we know that for a fact. We did. 
we're doing this remotely so feeling a little bit loose Jeeves is delirious because it's basically midnight whereas it's still glorious sunshine here (laughs) on the east coast so So, to continue on the topic of Elon Musk great segue there (laughs) he tweeted something this week which was basically a kind of drawing we'll link it in the show notes the first bit of it was kind of a, a line and there's me my fellow liberal to your left and then there was a conservative on the right me is sort of slightly left of center right and then the, the, and that was in 2008 the next line down is that same diagram and it's showing my fellow liberal as like racing off to the left me staying sort of left of center and conservative staying right and that's 2012 and then 2021 it's showing my fellow like liberal and woke progressive like way off to the left conservative remains on the right and then the me shifts from left of center to right of center and essentially obviously me explaining a diagram you <laughs> just go look at it yeah but the the idea he's trying to portray is that lots of people who, who would have traditionally let been left of center feel like because the left has gone quite extreme they now feel kind of weirdly aligned with some conservatives and it's like but I've never been a conservative and I I thought it was interesting um and if you if you kind of look at the comments and the kind of retweets a lot of people say they feel that way but I'm not sure if I entirely agree because I, I also feel like the Republicans, and, and again, left, right, I don't know if this is specifically in reference to, you know, the US and the Democrats and the Republicans or, or kind of conservatives and liberals everywhere or whatever, but I, I guess it's kind of similar in the UK and US. Um, but I feel like in the US particularly, the, the right has also gone quite extreme right. So I'm not entirely sure I agree with his uh, representation there, but I thought it was interesting because I... I certainly know some people myself who would have traditionally been liberals and, and now don't necessarily feel like they agree with, you know, the, the kind of more woke progressives. So, yeah, I just I just thought that was an interesting take. That is interesting. The, I mean, the point you make about how he seems to be focused on how far left the left has gone really doesn't take into account how far right the right has gone. You look at QAnon, you look at if you Google Jewish space lasers, you'll see some direct quotes from elected members, elected officials who are actively in the American government, who are going around spreading really hateful anti-Semitic tropes around oh, wow. everything to do with COVID and, and QAnon and all of this stuff. Um, so I think I think both sides have gone completely far one way Mm. far into you know whatever direction they were headed in in the beginning a much more a much more cogent position on his part could have been that he stayed in the same in the same place and like based on where he has stayed with his views if they haven't shifted it would have been a more interesting thing to show like how the two sides have shifted so where he has always been now means something different you have a lot of a yeah. lot of a lot of there are a lot of people who are quite middle of the road maybe slightly slightly left 
but thinking about how far the left have gone, because the left has always represented sort of, you know, the whole idea of woke has come from being awake to injustice. That's what woke means. Mm. And that a lot of factions have taken that to one extreme, whereas the conservatives are very much like individualism and you can have a gun, but you can't have an abortion. It's just, it's wild to see how the right has gone. And also like in the US anyway, the far right is very much the party of Trump. And so everything that Trump does is completely perfect and wonderful and unquestionably right. And so that Mm. is, that's now become the, right party in the US. So like, I think both sides have gone into an extreme. I mean, the left has, has gone quite extreme with identity politics and like some of the definitions yeah. of what identity should mean for people, you know, in an attempt to protect certain groups. You know, I feel like there's been some over-indexing here, there and everywhere. Whereas on the right, they've gone the complete opposite with like, you know, they don't want to be awake to injustice. It's being woke is considered to be a bad thing. When in reality, it's just like we want to treat human beings like human beings and give people autonomy and rights and the ability to thrive. And that seems to be quite a center thought now, whereas I think previously it used to be quite a left. Used to sit See, more on that's the left. interesting. So I would say that that's, I guess it is, a, I suppose maybe it is more centrist than it would have been in the past, I guess. So do you, do you mean that you think more people have maybe become left of like a bit more left in that in that view I think people who used to be slightly again I'm thinking purely of American politics here and maybe some UK politics as well because that's where our that's where our interests lie at this stage right Mm. so I'm thinking about like looking at those two governments specifically and those two a lot of the people who probably sat slightly left of center would probably have quite right-leaning views on certain identity topics for instance right yes and so Sorry. yeah I, I right agree. Yeah. and so then that becomes like the, a view that used to be considered to be you know everybody deserves the the ability to like have a good happy life be respected and thrive regardless of who they are that has now you know, taken some more extreme turns uh, when it comes yes. to certain topics yeah. so I think there's a lot of people who sit in the middle who whose views may have been considered left of center previously and are now probably sitting closer to like right of center on certain issues even though they're generally sit left of center still now or maybe even center yeah exactly I think you're right it's it's probably very relevant to certain issues yeah that's caused that shift I did um see an, an interesting retweet on on this which was kind of related to that in that the far left group obviously there there is you know far left and far right and they're both quite maybe more extreme than you know uh, 10 years ago or whatever but the far left is very like culturally powerful and the rest of the left is kind of afraid of that far left whereas I don't think the same occurs on the right like the rest of, I don't think the rest of the conservatives are necessarily afraid of the really extreme far right. Like I think, I thought that was an interesting point where it's, um, you know, maybe uh, the left hasn't actually moved that far left, but in 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 aggregate, like maybe most people aren't actually that left extreme. It's a small minority, but they're dictating policy. 
that seems to be the thing that's happening. And then that's why then they're like, oh, maybe we feel a bit more right of centre now than left. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think like, I think it's, it is still very much minority. Like, it's a very small minority of both parties that are on the extreme. But it's just they just shout the loudest. And so they feel like there's more of them just because they're yeah. louder when it comes to like sharing those views. What's interesting is what you say about like the right. The right is very much fear based. That's how they keep power by tapping into very deep seated specific fears in their base. And as long as people are afraid, you're going to be able to control people. Right. So that mm. seems to be the approach, at least in the US, that the far right takes it's like they're coming for your guns they're coming for your land they're coming for your freedom it's all still fear that's one thing they all have in common so it's not like there's not really this infighting because it's like I feel like it still has that theme of fear that underlying like fear fear joins us and unites us whereas the left the left is totally fragmented completely and I think the left holds themselves to a much higher moral standard and so when you have this sort of like a group of people who are all trying to live to the highest possible moral standard you're less likely to take risks I feel like like Mm. if you're if it's like okay well we're all supposed to be better people like we should be we're good we're thoughtful we care about people we care about like the planet we care about the world we want we care about people who are marginalized etc etc there's a lot less tolerance for making mistakes when you're being held to such a high moral standard, whereas the right does not, doesn't really lead. It's not about a moral standard, right? It's about protection. It's about fear. It's about survival. The left is trying to, you know, we just want that. We want to be good people and you can't be a good person. Apparently if you make a mistake, one thing that both sides have in common that I have noticed is this idea that you're not allowed to change your mind. There's no space or room to like grow and evolve as a person. And it's just not been normalized for people to be allowed to change their minds. You know, you get called a flip flopper if you Mm. used to believe something and then you change your mind. Now you believe something else like that isn't there's no incentive to to do that. And so once you're part of a particular clan, it feels like you can't get out of it. Like, look at what happened with Brexit. It turns out now that Brexit was a complete and utter sham and continues to be a sham. And a lot of people are suffering from it. A lot of livelihoods are lost to it. And the people who voted Brexit weren't necessarily bad people. They just, they they thought that that was the right thing to do. But there is no space now to, to turn around and say, we made a mistake without being, you know, tossed out of the tribe. So it's just, it's not safe to change your mind. And I think both ends of the political spectrum probably suffer quite a lot from that. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like it it just feels very stuck. Mm-hmm. Like you have to hold this viewpoint and there's not really, like it feels very black and white when, you know, life isn't actually black and white. There's lots of grey. So exactly. We should and really run the country, shouldn't we? <laughs> I feel like we could set this place right pretty quickly actually for sure delegate appropriately and you know <laughs> maybe i think the first thing we need to do is uh install porn blockers on all the mp phones oh and gosh. get rid of the second jobs i think would already remove quite a lot of uh <laughs> quite a lot of the issues that are 
top of mind yeah. these days. Get pretty Patel deported under her own laws. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's what, and then it's what she would have wanted. That. It's what she would have wanted. It's how it she would have wanted to go. What she would have wanted. It's it's oh. it's only right. All right, on to our topic of the week. Yes. Severance. So our topic of the week, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just really wanted to say it. I am such yeah, a no, huge no, fan of it. the show. I'm such a huge fan of the show. Honestly, it's in my top three of all time. And I say every single week how much television I watch. I, on a side note, I got to my parents' <laughs> house on Thursday evening and finished Better Call Saul from episode started watching Better Call Saul and I finished it like two days ago. So my dad came down, he was like, Oh, when did you start watching it? I was like, Thursday. He's like, as in two days ago. I was like, yes. He's like, and you have a job. I said yes. So anyway. Severance. That's impressive. <laughs> yes. Uh severance. So if you are not aware, it's on Apple TV and I had to specifically subscribe to and then watch all of this program and then unsubscribe to Apple TV because there is nothing else good on there. I think Looms is about to disagree. But also I was thinking like this this show would have gotten like viral if it was on Netflix or something. Yes. Like I feel like the fact that it's on Apple TV, it's like quite hidden. And I actually saw the trailer by accident. So in essence, Severance is oh, it's so hard to describe it without spoiling it. Although you can't really spoil it because of the it's such like a multi-layered experience but it's basically it's set in this company town where the folks who live in the company town it's like the old school mining towns but it's set in like modern day essentially and the folks who live in the town also work for the big corporation that runs just like you know a giant corporation and you know you're watching in the beginning you don't really it's not clear what the corporation does but all you know for sure is that the folks who work for the corporation, part of joining is meant that they had to agree to have their memories severed. So split into two. So you have your work memories and then you have your non-work memories. So every day you go into work, you get into the lift, you go up into the office and your memory switch, your memory track switch. And so you, there's, a per, there's a you in the office. And then when you leave at the end of the day, all your work memories switch back and so you're back to your old self so like your outside self or their their Audi as they're called the person who's on the outside and I've used person in quotation marks who's on the outside for them all they're doing every day is going to the office getting into a lift the lift doors close open again and it's home time so that's all they see and then they go home and go about their business and live a nice normal life and the folks the innies or the people who are inside <laughs> who are the the actual you the self the self that you are when you're working in the office all you see is that you arrive in the morning and then at the end of the day when you're tired you get into the lift and it's the and the doors close and when they open again it's the next day so it's like a split second so when you're inside the office things like sleep or you have no idea about your life on the outside and then when you're outside you have no idea about your life inside and it's this like it's so well done. It's so aesthetically pleasing. It's so jarring. It's it's a thriller. That's also a little bit of a comedy, I guess, but it's like a drama comedy thriller. It's directed by Ben Stiller. It's visually so satisfying to watch. The story is just incredible. And the the guy who wrote it, his name 
eludes me right now. It took him about, he wrote, he's been, he's been writing it. It took him about a decade for it to be picked up as a show. It is just exquisite. It's yeah. I'm such a huge fan. Yeah. Same. I really enjoyed it. I think I haven't watched a TV show where I didn't feel the urge to like scroll on my phone yeah. or do something else. Um, it was actually really like interesting. Yeah. Captivating you, television. You can't look away. Um, yeah. So the reason I why think... we wanted to talk about it, I interrupted you. I apologize. No, no, no. I'm just Go so excited <laughs> that we get to talk about it because there are so many, there's so many questions that arise when you start to think about, or you put yourself in a situation like that. And obviously there's scenarios that arise in the show as part of the storylines, et cetera, et cetera. But on we're we're not we're, we don't want to spoil anything or really you know give too much away about the show because we really think that everybody should I say we <laughs> Jeeves and I have agreed that everybody needs to uh, go and watch it so that's your homework a couple of questions that came from watching the show that we started to discuss and thought we would save it for the podcast where number one it brings up a lot of topics around work life balance does having two selves is that the is that it's is that the solution to bringing great work life balance to the masses? I mean, I've seen the show, so spoiler <laughs> alert. No, it's not the solution. But I think it's sort of it's in it like it's it, on the surface. It feels like the ultimate work life separation. I suppose not necessarily balance, but you know, you're never going to be taking your work home with you, which obviously is something that people struggle with so I see how it you know someone might have thought wouldn't that be great and as with all those types of ideas the reality is quite different but I actually think they're just like taking the easy way out in a way by using this technique to achieve some sort of I don't know balance or or whatever it is because actually like you should just have what well, life balance you shouldn't have to sever yourself so <laughs> extremely uh you know that that but in a weird way that does feel like where our society would go down rather than actually trying to you know help people live happy balanced lives they'd be like why don't we create this crazy technology <laughs> that creates way more problems like ultimately it still allows you to work loads which is essentially what employers want out of their employees in a capitalist society it probably would be easier and cheaper to just sever everyone's memories than it would be to provide balanced workloads that are well thought through and are really conducive to a happy well-adjusted <laughs> balanced life yeah could you, could you think of any uses for a sever for a sev- like a severed memory line? Because I yeah. certainly could. I think there's a lot of because we have to remember it's not reversible as far as we know, right? Like it's not something that's like oh we have to yeah, assume it's, it's that it's not reversible permanently taken out of your memory. Yeah. So I think and it's that's an not that's one. not a spoiler by the way because they mentioned that in the very first few minutes of yeah. the first episode. So you know ev- everything we say will be. From episode like all one. the very obvious stuff yeah. from the beginning, yeah. I think that <laughs> I I don't know. So like I can't think of anything necessarily that I'd want to sever from my own life. Like I think our memories is kind of 
you know, makes us who we are. But I can imagine in scenarios where you've had like quite severe trauma or something like that, um, like P- maybe like PTSD, people who've been in war or, or those kind of scenarios where you'd want to sever that part of your memory and and not revisit it. So in this situation, they have the severed memory and it that version of you and your brain is in the office and then the other version of you is outside the office. But if you could sever and then just like never visit that memory again, like I think that would be a scenario. But what what were you thinking? I mean, yeah, it was obviously beyond the obvious like trauma, things like, I mean, having never experienced childbirth, I would imagine I'd probably not want to be involved. <laughs> I don't remember much of that, potentially. But um, it, it reminds me of this other movie, uh, it's a movie with Jim Carrey called Eternal sunshine of a spotless mind which is another excellent movie and Jim Carrey plays this man who meets a soulmate and they split up and he's so devastated and heartbroken by it he signs up for a procedure where they can pinpoint certain memories and delete them from your mind and so as the movie progresses and it takes a while to kind of activate so you see him go through this process where memories are gradually uh, being removed from his mind like fading away and at first it brings him relief but then obviously eventually as the movie carries on he you know starts to like heal and wants to go searching for memories can't find them and it's like it opens up that question of if you haven't seen it it's also a great movie but it's I found it a really powerful way of thinking about the role that memories play in making us who we are and that sometimes you might have a memory that that doesn't necessarily make you particularly happy or a memory that you no longer want to think about maybe because it causes you pain it might seem like an easy option would be to delete that memory but how what role do memories play in in who in who we are as people and <laughs> this is nicely on to the next question what is a human <laughs> <laughs> I think I wrote that one in. You did, yes. And I guess it's it's that, so I guess obviously as we've described in the show, you have your innie, who's the person at work, and your outie, the person outside work. And the way, I guess like it's one physical body, but two versions of the brain. And does that mean they're two separate people or are they one person? And a lot of questions came up in terms of like who has autonomy over the body? Is it the innie or the outie? Mm -hmm. Because something that happens to your physical body would impact both. So, for example, I think a very small bit that was mentioned in the show was someone's innie got pregnant and their outie had no idea whether it was like, like, who's the father? How did this happen? Mm. All those questions. Are they they're, they're kind of two people? Are they one? Is the innie even a person? Like, do they count as a human? There was another scenario where an outie said to, you know, they, they kind of can record messages to each other under the supervision of the company. And the outie said basically said to the innie, you're not a person. To herself so yeah it, it brings up all these like questions about like how does is 
I guess, does having memory make you a person? Is that is that what makes us human? The the body autonomy question is is super interesting as well because it's the same. Like you you take a person to mean one human, <laughs> but when that same human is experiencing two completely different lives, are the are your personalities the same? Like is your what if your innie is really miserable but your outie is really happy or vice versa what if you are like does the introversion like what like what the thing that makes the thing that's like the essence of who we are is the sum total of our experiences our upbringing nature versus nurture etc all the things that science has said impact who we are as people so are either the innie or the outie, neither of them are people or both of them are people. Yeah. Right? Or is one of them, you know, I guess are both of them people, but one of them isn't, I guess there's this kind of also like master-servant relationship in a way where one, one has rights and the other doesn't. So is what make, you know, we have like human rights, I guess. But how would you designate yeah. rights? Who's in charge? Yeah. And if you're blissfully happy outside and, you know, you have your life exactly how you want it, but inside your innie is you're miserable because you actually don't like your job. How does that then translate? I mean, the show addresses a, a variety of these topics in a super interesting way. But it just, yeah, it got us thinking about what makes a person and we don't even smoke weed. <laughs> this was just over brunch. This was just this was just normal brunch chat. What is a person? Stone cold sober. <laughs> like, it is crazy though. I think, yeah, thinking about, you know, you are who you are because of every, I guess, everything in your brain. And then that also, you know, relates to people who end up in like a vegetative state. So if their brain isn't functioning, are they still them? Or if only part of your, you know, as in this situation, if only part of your brain is functioning or part of your memory is functioning, I guess it's, yeah. I mean, the other question then becomes, if you don't remember sleeping, can you feel rested? So I think in the show they don't seem to fit they don't seem to always feel tired or anything like they they seem because I guess you get the physical benefit of sleeping right Mm -hmm. it's your your physical body has been asleep so I don't actually I don't think that really matters whether or not you can remember sleeping like I don't remember being asleep I know I was asleep yeah but but if you're if you if every time you went to leave your office, you opened the door and it was the next day and it was time to get back to work. I feel like you'd be you wouldn't necessarily be, you know, physically exhausted like you hadn't slept, but I think you'd probably be mentally exhausted. Yeah. But then because... that would go away after you slept anyway. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I guess that's the uh, it, it's sort of like you have had all the benefits of sleep 
but your brain just goes straight back. It would be like waking up and your brain is immediately thinking about the last thing you were thinking about at the end of the day yesterday, as opposed to maybe more of a, a gradual wake up. So maybe it's a bit jarring. What can we what can we learn? How can we take some of these themes and adapt them to the current reality of what it is to try to exist at work and try to exist outside of work? What were some some things that you took away from that? Um, if HR suggests a policy of severance, I'll be saying no. <laughs> well, don't let's look. You know, I'll say let me see the paperwork. Let's like let's talk about what this means it is the ultimate nda right so perhaps it's we sign ndas all the time true <laughs> we're under nda well i'm under nda right now you know oh, really so... <laughs> yolo <laughs> the way that i've been thinking about my outie and my innie <laughs> sounds so sounds like your belly button it does sound like my belly button and maybe you know everybody needs some symbolism maybe that's the way to uh ground yourself right (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you just need a physical representation of what it is of the state of being that you want to be in so i think about that a lot and it's there's a lot that we can do when we're thinking about how work seeps into our personal lives and how our personal lives seep into work there's the whole idea of bringing your whole self to work and being your full, authentic, every, you know, bringing every element of your personality into work. And I think there's a lot to be said for not doing that <laughs> and, for, <laughs> and for perhaps trying to be a little bit more intentional about how we show up at work versus how we show up with our friends. There's some quizzes that help with that, like the Myers-Briggs that tells you your personality. I mean, I don't think it's based on real science, but don't quote me on that but there's the Myers-Briggs that tells you you know the color system yeah is that so that tells you what how you're different at work yeah so it shows you like your you fill in this like I don't know hundred question I did this over a decade ago but you fill in this massive questionnaire with hundreds of questions and they ask you questions about work and, and play work and home and then at the end you get a set of four colors there's yellow which is like outgoing and you know people like social there's red which is like ambitious and go-getter blue is analytical and green is like people-led like you're empathetic Mm. you lead with that kind of like giving and it tells you in order how you stack up at work like which which um, of those strengths you lean in on the most at work versus home and their whole theory is that the difference between work and home like if you're uh, if the difference between your work order and your home order are too disparate, then you are likely to burn out. So really, that's what, interesting. One of the lessons I picked up from it when I did it again in my twenties, when I was like mid twenties, I did it a very long time ago. But I carry, I still take the, the lesson with me today. Is when I did the test, the order of my colors was for work was yellow was at the top and green was at the bottom. And then, you know, so yellow being outgoing and, mm-hmm. you know, people, uh, social, I should say. And then green being like empathy, et cetera, et cetera. So that was my, my highest and lowest at work. But at play, my highest was blue, which is like analytical, followed by green, followed by red, 
followed by yellow. So at work, I was flexing this, the yellow of it, but mm. outside of work, I'm absolutely not, <laughs> not, you know, I'm quite introverted. I quite, I like my own space. I like being home as, as Jeeves unfortunately knows. I don't like to leave my house. So, <laughs> and so being aware of the difference between those two means that I have to be really mindful of how I use my energy and make sure that I get decent rest from work and recharge. And that's why I'm happy to kind of stay home for days on end and just be in my own space. So that's, that, that's one thing that it triggered for me with the idea of having your work self, AKA your innie and your home self or your Audi. That's really interesting. I didn't know that about the having, cause like obviously everyone probably acts a bit differently at work and at home or with their, their friends or whatever. But I didn't know that it could have an impact on, you're I guess like burnout and stuff like that but it makes sense because obviously it's exhausting to kind of maybe act uh differently to how you naturally would yeah absolutely I mean this is the part where I plug the looms I plug the looms in me podcast again <laughs> I did a whole episode about this but if you're looking for like you don't have to do the Myers-Briggs test to get this sort of thing I kind of lay out a whole framework for how you can go about thinking about how you show up at work and then how you show up outside of work because being aware just it's all about having an awareness of what strengths you're leaning on at work and what strengths you're leaning on outside of work in order to know whether or not you're likely to burn out and it's not necessarily saying it's a bad thing to have two different strengths being flexed it's more just understanding that you are stretching yourself when you are at work. And so it's important that you find a way to rebalance and just be aware of that. I think they should teach that at school, frankly, because I think that would help a lot of people if they could learn There's that early on. There's a lot of things on. they should teach at school, which <sighs> that's a topic they for another day. Another great example, which you brought up yesterday, was this concept of a bed phone. <laughs> we did we Jeeves sent an article uh, through about uh, this guy who had found an old phone that was just wasn't like wasn't really working that well so he started using it as his bed phone so at the end of his day he'll leave his main phone that has all the calls whatsapp etc out in a different room and then when he goes to bed the bed phone only has youtube and maybe a weather app and an alarm or something and so jeeves disagrees with me but i felt like this was also a really good way of separating <laughs> the two selves and thinking your, about your bed <laughs> self and your <laughs> non-bed self whatever it takes you know <laughs> i feel like this is too much severance it's uh, all these selves. I think. Well, look. As long as you keep track of them, it's only a problem if you start to name them. I think that's where the issues. <laughs> <laughs> so the, that's where you know professional <sighs> advice is probably would probably be beneficial. But you know, if you have the luxury of not of having just oneself and being able to choose how you flex and how you show up, and you have the <laughs> the headspace and time and energy to be able to do that, I think there's a lot of value there. So, you know, my final question for you before we let everyone go is what would be on your bed phone, Jeeves, that isn't on your main phone? What would be on my bed phone that isn't on my main phone? Yeah, how would you de delineate the two? Uh, I, I think my bed phone would include probably just like calm and 
no other access to the internet. <laughs> so I don't actually use my phone much at bed or like I don't, I don't use it for anything that helps me like wind down other than occasionally like if I'm struggling to fall asleep and, and use the calm kind of app. But otherwise it's just a distraction. So I try and leave my phone not in my bedroom when I go to bed so actually I, I just wouldn't have a bed phone I think well you're a bit of a party pooper aren't you just <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> my bed phone would be no bed phone right right of right. course um <laughs> <laughs> what would your bed phone include my bed phone would include um I have the uh headspace app or calm one of those two can I can never tell the difference YouTube probably because rabbit holes make really cozy places to 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 yank nestle off in. Into. <laughs> yes, exactly. I like to nestle into a rabbit hole and just see where it takes me, and will then wake up in the morning and message Jeeves like, "Why was my dream so vivid?" That's what that's what I would have on my bed phone. It's probably those two, and maybe the alarm. But I have I have a daylight lamp for that. Me too. It's probably right not to have internet on your bed phone, but like then. You know, what are you going to do? Just fall asleep to your own thoughts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the nice London sirens. The soothing sounds. Yeah. Love it. We would love to hear from yeah. you guys, not you, Jeeves. What, what would be on your bed phone? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you'd have on your bed phone that we haven't already thought of because our answers were quite basic, but I feel like there's other, so many other possibilities out there. We'd also love to hear what you think a human is. What makes a person? Have you seen Severance? Um, Did you enjoy it? Would maybe you sever you anything from your mind? Yeah. If you had the option to uh, edit your memories, would you do it? Yeah. Also, what is awareness? <laughs> oh, God. They're not aware of what's happening on the other side. But They're really aware of their own. Exactly. Your innie and your outie both have awareness. Does awareness, and they both have memories. It's the same body. It's the same person. It's wild. I think they're both people. Let us know what you think. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> we are never going to agree. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening this week and for Thanks. indulging us and for lasting this long. I think it's back to normal programming next week. Yes. When I'm back. No more remote. No. I'll be back, in, back. The, in the same city as Jeeves. It's been so long. <laughs> been gone forever. I know. Never leave me again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I was going to say I'll try, but I think I'm leaving again soon. We can, talk, we can take it. Let's take what? it offline. We'll take it offline. We'll take it <laughs> you offline. You can't break this to me at the end of the <laughs> Until next week, everybody. <laughs> Leams will tell us where she's going. <laughs> and when. And for how long. <laughs> Bye, everyone. All right, bye.